0: Matthew Webb was cold, wet, and angry. The rain, which had started as an unpleasant misty drizzle, was now the kind of drenching downpour that was likely to last all night. Fuming, he adjusted his hat in the hope of stopping water from seeping down the back of his neck, but the material was sodden, and fiddling only made matters worse. Cheapside was pitch dark at that late hour, and he could not see where he was putting his feet So it was only a matter of time before he stepped in a deep puddle that shot a foul-smelling sludge up the back of his legs. He ground his teeth in impotent rage, and when the bells of St. Mary le Bow chimed midnight, he felt like smashing them. It was a long walk from African House on Throgmorton Street to his handsome residence on the Strand and he should have been relaxing in the luxury of his personal carriage, not stumbling along the city's potholed, rain-swept streets like a beggar. He cursed his wife for her abrupt announcement that she'd had enough of the riotous Guinea company dinner and was going home early. And how dare she forget to send the vehicle back for him once it had delivered her safe and dry to Webb Hall! It was not just a thoughtless spouse who had earned his animosity that night either. There were also his Guinea company colleagues, who had seen his predicament, but failed to come to his rescue. It was true they were drunk, because it had been a long evening, and the company was famously lavish with wine at its feasts, but when everyone had spilled noisily out of African house at the end of the dinner, it had been obvious that Webb was the only one whose coachman was not there to collect him. Surely one of his fellow merchants could have offered to help? But no, they had selfishly packed themselves inside their grand transports and rattled away without so much as a backward glance. Webb had certainly expected Sir Richard Temple to step in and save him. The seating arrangements that evening had placed them next to each other, and they had talked for hours. Cannily, Webb had used the opportunity to do business, He owned a ship that brought sugar from Barbados, and Temple was thinking of purchasing a sugar plantation with money from the rich widow he intended to marry. It was obvious they could benefit each other, and Webb was always pleased to be of service to the gentry. Of course, the agreement they had reached, and signed and sealed, would see Temple all but destitute in the long run, but that was the nature of competitive commerce. It was hardly Webb's fault, that Temple had not noticed the devious caveat in the contract before putting pen to paper. The merchant's ugly, coarse-featured face creased into a scowl as he recalled the reaction of some company members when he and Temple had announced their alliance. The loud-mouthed surgeon Wiseman had declared that he would have nothing to do with men involved in the heinous industry that used slave labour, and several others had bellowed their agreement. Wiseman's medical colleague, Thomas Lyle, was among them, which was a blow, because Lyle was popular and reasonable and men tended to listen to him. Not everyone had taken the surgeon's side, though. Some had the sense to see that sugar was needed in London, that the plantations required a workforce, and that slaves were the cheapest way to provide it. The wealthy Brandenburger, Johann Bain, had attempted to explain the economics of the situation, but most members were too drunk to understand his complex analysis, and had cheered when Wiseman, in his arrogant, dogmatic manner, had declared Bain a mean-spirited bore. Then Temple had stood and raised his hand for silence. If people wanted affordable sugar, he had said crisply, they would have to put squeamish sentiments aside. Even Wiseman could think of no argument to refute that basic truth. Unfortunately, a foppish, debauched courtier called Sir Alan Broderick had spoiled the victory by accidentally hitting Temple over the head with a candlestick. Debates at Guinea Company gatherings often ended in violent spats or even duels, and members were used to a little blood. Their guests were not, however, and Webb recalled, the shock on the Earl of Bristol's face at the way the disagreement had been resolved.